If it's anything that you know about me, you know that I love to read. I am a big time reader. I'm not a guy who reads fiction, like I don't really get into all the make-believe kind of stuff, but I love reading books that teach me more about how to be a better Christian, a better disciple, a better communicator, uh, a better leader. I read a lot of books that teach me things like that, how to interpret scripture and, and all of those types of things. And recently I have been reading this book by a pastor um, named J.D. Greer. He's a pastor at the Summit Church down in Raleigh, North Carolina. He's one of my favorite uh, people to listen to, favorite people uh, whose books I really like to read. And I've been reading this book by him called Jesus Continued. Jesus Continued. And it's a really good uh, book. I've read it. I've listened to it on Audible and just pulled some really good things out of it. But one of the things that, that he mentions in this book that I think really applies to our message today is he asked this question. He asked this question, and the question is this. Would you rather have Jesus beside you or the Holy Spirit inside you? Let me say that again. He said, would you rather have Jesus beside you or the Holy Spirit inside you? Now, when I first heard that question as I'm listening to this book while I'm at the gym working out, my first immediate thought was, I would rather have Jesus beside me. Because I started thinking about the disciples. I started thinking about those stories of them walking with him and talking with him and watching the miracles and, and hearing and seeing all of the things that Jesus had done. And so again, my immediate response was, I would rather have Jesus beside me. And as I thought through that, I thought like, how cool would it be to walk with him and to talk with him, to have this Jesus that's tangible that I, I can touch and I can hug and I can see and I can shake his hand and, and I can just, again, just watch him do miracles and, and listen to him speak and be moved by his words and, and his understanding the way that people were captivated by him. But then as I'm reading through scripture, I come across this passage of scripture where Jesus actually addresses this question himself. He addresses this idea of, of, is it better for us to have him beside us or the Holy Spirit inside of us? And he addresses this in John 16, verses 7 through 11. And this is what he says. Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I do go, I will send him to you. So Jesus himself is saying the answer to this question, would I rather have Jesus beside me or the Holy Spirit inside of me? Jesus is saying it's to our advantage that Jesus go away and that he send the Holy Spirit, the helper to us. He goes on to say in verse eight, and when he, the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me. This is Jesus talking again. He goes on to say concerning righteousness because I go to the father, like I'm leaving, I'm ascending, I'm going to the father and you will see me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. This is Jesus talking. He says, I will send the helper, the Holy Spirit to you as we continue in our message series, Phil. Jesus is saying to us, I'm going to send you my spirit, my very spirit so that you can be filled with him. And in this series, we are talking about the things that God gives us that we should be filled with, like his grace, his hope, his truth, his compassion, and his spirit. And that's going to be our topic today is the Holy Spirit. And I know you're thinking like, man, Jay, you're jumping right into this. And you're right, because I'm excited about today's message. This is something that I believe that we as believers, if we can get a hold of this, if we can truly grasp this, 
we will be powered to be to live impactful lives for the kingdom, for our families, and for ourselves if we can truly understand what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But I know that when I make that statement to you, being filled with the Holy Spirit, depending on how you grew up, depending on what you've learned in your church past, that some of you already have pictures in your mind. You think I'm talking about those Pentecostal churches where people handle snakes and stuff like that, or, or the church where the people all run around and all that kind of stuff. And that's where your mind went. That's not what I'm talking about when I talk about being filled with the Spirit. And I think I'm going to be able to show you some things today that will help you get a better understanding of what I'm talking about. See, often when we talk about being filled with the Spirit, we focus so much on the what that we miss the who. And I want you to catch this. We focus so much on the what. We focus so much on the gifts and the manifestations and what we see people do who claim to be filled with the Spirit. We focus on all of the what, but we miss the who. We miss the person of the Holy Spirit. The who is what we should really be focused on. Today's message is going to focus on the person, the purpose, and the power of the Holy Spirit. The person, the purpose, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because again, I believe if we can truly understand who the Holy Spirit is as a person, and if we can understand his purpose, we will begin to better understand his power and how his power works in us and through us. This is a message I want you to take notes on. This is a message that, that I want you, when this message is done, you sitting there watching in your home, I want you to talk about it with the person beside you. I want you to get your Bible out and to study these things for yourself. I want you to have conversations with other trusted people, other believers, and talk through these things. In your city home, I want you to talk about this topic of being filled with the Holy Spirit and what that really means. And I want you to have some, some difficult conversations. I want you to put aside uh, some of the presuppositions, some of the preconceived notions that that we come into this topic with, and I want you to look at this purely from Scripture, and I want you to understand who the person and the purpose and the power of the Holy Spirit is. Let's start with the person of the Holy Spirit, and I think it's so critical that we understand that the Holy Spirit is a person, that he is the third person of the Trinity. He is equal to God in terms of how we should respect him and reverence him and, and love him and cherish him and believe in him. He's equal to the son in terms of how we are to adore him and worship him. But he is willingly submitted to the father and to the son. He's willingly submitted to the will of the father. And he's here on the son's behalf to fill the son's people, to fill those of us who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And I know, I know that I know that this Trinity stuff, sometimes it makes our heads want to explode. Sometimes we hear these things and we're like, I don't get it. I don't understand it. How can it be three and one and all this other stuff? But again, I want you to focus on the who and not the what, because I believe that if we can get a grasp of who the Holy Spirit is, if we can get a grasp of what his purpose is, then those other things start to make so much more sense. But again, I know it can be difficult to understand. And I know sometimes when you hear this stuff, you're like, man, I just, I don't get it. And I just want you to bear with me. We're going to walk through this together today. And I'm going to show you in scripture who the Holy Spirit is and how he works in you and through you so that you will know what it means to be filled with his spirit as we celebrate Pentecost Sunday. And we're going to talk about that even a little more here in just a moment. But the Holy Spirit is a he. 
And we read that in that verse a moment ago in John 16, 7 through 11, Jesus said, the helper will come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin. Jesus is using this pronoun, he, in reference to the Holy Spirit. Again, identifying that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person. And I really think for many of us, the old phrase that we, that we grew up with, like I grew up in an old Baptist church and used to hear the phrase, the Holy Ghost. And when you say it, you got to say it like that, the Holy Ghost. You know, you got to talk like that when you say it. But I grew up hearing that phrase, the Holy Ghost. And I think it damaged us, us a little bit. Because honestly, I don't want to relate to a ghost. I don't want to talk to a ghost. I don't want to see a ghost. I don't want to think about the fact of a ghost being there. I may not even believe in ghosts, but you know what I believe in? A person. You know who I want to talk to? A person. You know who I want to relate to? A person. And the Holy Spirit is a person. And the more we can understand that the Holy Spirit is a person that, that we can relate to, that we can be in relationship with, that, that we can have a conversation, conversation with, that we can trust and talk to, then we begin to understand his person and we can begin to have a more full relationship of being filled with the person of the Holy Spirit. But going back to that question uh, that Pastor Greer asked, Would you rather have Jesus beside you or the Holy Spirit inside of you? If I'm honest, I think the reason my answer was so quick to be Jesus inside of me goes back to the idea, or Jesus beside me, I'm sorry, goes back to the idea of if I was walking with Jesus, he's tangible. I can see him. I can hear his voice. I can talk to him. I can shake his hand. I can watch his miracles. Like I can actually see him. There's a physical presence there. And the reason that our answer goes to that so quickly is because when we think about the Holy Spirit, there's not this, this tangibleness that we can grasp, this tangibleness that we can hold on to, this tangibleness that we can touch and feel and hear in that sense. But let me tell you the person of the Holy Spirit, his spirit, he is present with us. He is more tangible than we think. If you are filled with him, you know this to be true but he is a he. Don't get caught up in the whole ghost spirit thing and all of that. Understand that the person that we are talking about here is the third person of the Trinity. He is just as much a person that is present with us as God the Father and God the Son. Let's not miss that, that he is a person who's present with us and we can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. If you are a child of God, the Holy Spirit is real and he dwells inside of you. Now let's talk about the purpose and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I put these two together because they are really inseparable. If you don't understand the Holy Spirit's purpose, you will never understand his power. And if all you do is focus on his power without understanding his purpose, then you will totally miss while the Holy Spirit is present with us. And this for me goes back to this whole idea of of focusing on the what instead of the who. See, the what is his power, but the who is his person and his purpose. This is what makes up who he is. And if we can focus on his person and his purpose and not so much on his power, then his power begins to work in us and through us because of the relationship. We begin to become a conduit for his power to work through because we have a relationship with his person and we understand his purpose so that we can better walk in our purpose. Does that make sense? I hope you're getting this. Make sure, like I said, make sure you're writing this down and that you are taking notes. When we focus on the who, his person and his purpose, the what, his power, becomes easier to understand, and we won't be weirded out or afraid of his presence. Now, if anyone in all of Scripture could be considered an expert on the Holy Spirit, 
I would think it would be Jesus, right? It would be Jesus, the one who is a part of the Trinity, the second person of the Trinity, who along with the Father and the Holy Spirit is the Godhead three in one. I think Jesus would be the expert on the Holy Spirit. And Jesus has some things to say to us about the Holy Spirit. If we look at Acts chapter, chapter one, verses six through eight, it says this, it says, so when they had come together, they asked him, talking to Jesus, these are the disciples talking to Jesus before he ascends into heaven. It says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. Here's this power thing again. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And as we read this passage of scripture, what Jesus is really doing is he's redirecting these disciples. See, these disciples, I'm going to go back for a second. These disciples were so focused on Jesus restoring the kingdom of Israel. And the reason that they were focused on this is if you were a Jew and you understood the Old Testament and the Jewish law and all of that stuff, when the Messiah came, the Messiah came in the lineage of King David. He came to sit on the throne of David and to restore the kingdom of Israel, to restore the kingdom that God had originally set up to be his people, his kingdom. And so when Jesus came claiming to be the Messiah, the disciples thought that he came to overthrow Rome and that he was going to restore this kingdom of Israel and that he was going to rule and reign. So even after his death, burial and resurrection, they're still focused on the messianic side of Jesus, that he's going to come to restore the kingdom of Israel. So they ask him, is this the time for that? Is this the time where we no no longer have to, to bow down to Rome? Is this the time that we no longer have to live in fear? Jesus' response to that again was, it's not for you to know the times. It's not for you to know the times. And this is a thing that we like to do, right? Like we always talk about this is the end times and just just look at the world around us. This has to be the end, right? And Jesus said he didn't even know the time at one point. So it's not for us to know the times that the father has fixed by his own authority. But then there's a but. And what this but does is it redirects. Jesus is saying to his disciples, hey, look, I get it. I get it. You want the kingdom restored. I have something better. I have something better for you than the restoration of a physical earthly kingdom. Jesus is saying that you're going to receive power when my Holy Spirit has come upon you and you're going to be my witnesses. Jesus revealing to us in one sentence the purpose and the power of the Holy Spirit that is going to come. Jesus not only reveals the purpose and the power of the Holy Spirit in that statement, but he reveals our purpose your purpose, and my purpose in that statement. The Holy Spirit is a person with a purpose. And that purpose is to be the power that testifies as witness to Christ in you and through you. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit is a person with a purpose. And that purpose is to be the power that testifies as a witness of Christ in you and through you. Today's Pentecost Sunday. And I would be remiss if I did not talk about the day of Pentecost because it's so significant for us in this story of the church. It's so significant for us in the book of Acts. It's really the day that the church, the capital C church, was really launched. It was mobilized. It was released to fulfill the Great Commission to go and make disciples. And so we read about all of that in Acts chapter 2. And we're going to read through some of that today and talk about this day of Pentecost. Talk about what it really means in the grand scheme of things as we think about the person and the purpose and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, we, as, before we dive into Acts chapter 2, I just want to point out a couple of things to you about the book of Acts. The book of Acts is written by Luke. Now, Luke was not one of the 12 apostles. He was not in that group with Peter and Paul and James and John and those guys. Luke was a person who was a physician, but who also traveled with them. And Luke was somewhat of a historian. He would chronicle things. He wrote the book of Luke. And then this, is, this book of Acts is kind of a follow-up to the book of Luke. So the book of Luke takes us from the birth of Jesus through his death, burial, and resurrection, and then ultimately up through his ascension that we see here in Acts chapter 1 right? But as you get ready to jump into Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit's coming. The Holy Spirit is coming. And I just, <laughs> I don't know why. I just kind of love saying that the Holy Spirit is coming. This, this spirit that Jesus said, we would be at a greater advantage when Jesus himself went away so that he could send his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is coming. In the book of Acts, the actual title of the book is the Acts of the Apostles. But I think the appropriate title should be the acts or the works of the Holy Spirit through the apostles, the acts of the Holy Spirit through these men uh, that were chosen by him to work in and to work through. Well, that may be a message for a different day, um, but I just wanted to give you some context with this is before we dive into chapter two and just read through a little bit of this. So here we go. Acts chapter two, verse number one. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. So what is this day of Pentecost uh, that it is referencing here? And why were they all together in one place? So if you think back to Acts chapter one that we just read, Jesus told them they were going to receive the Holy Spirit. He told them to go and to wait so that they went and they waited and they prayed in this, in this upper room in Jerusalem as they're waiting and they're praying for days that had went by. Then the day of Pentecost comes. They were all still together in one place. And they were still praying. Now, Pentecost, let me explain this to you a little bit, because if you hear the word Pentecostal and you associate Pentecostal with a, with a Pentecostal church and, and a church that uses gifts of the spirit, these sign gifts like speaking in tongues and things like that, then this word, you may not fully understand what this word uh, really means in this sense. Pentecost is really an Old Testament festival. It's a, it's a festival of harvest. It's, a, it's the Jewish festival of the harvest, also known as the the Feast of Weeks. And it's based out of Leviticus 23, 15 through 22. We're not going to read through that right now, but this was a festival that was set up that the people celebrated the harvest that came in. And this festival took place about 50 days after Passover. So if you think back through this scenario right now, what we're looking at, Jesus is crucified the day after Passover, right? So they have their Passover meal, the Last Supper, that Thursday night they go out. Jesus is betrayed. He's arrested. He's beaten. He's crucified that Friday morning. Sunday, he rises again from the grave. But from Passover to Pentecost is 50 days. So this is this 50-day period between the time that Jesus was, was crucified, that he was buried, that he resurrected. And during that 50-day period, he had appearances to the disciples and the, the people that were following him. And then Jesus ascends into heaven. And so now a few days later, on day 50, it's the day of Pentecost. They're all together assembled in one room at the, on the day of this feast. They're assembled in one room and they are praying and they are waiting because Jesus said, if I go away, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. Now, why is this important? 
this Jewish festival of the harvest. Why is it important that it's, it's this Pentecost, this festival of the harvest, that when the Holy Spirit comes? And I told you I was reading that book by J.D. Greer, and he gives a quote that I absolutely love because I think it fully answers this. And the quote is this, the Holy Spirit has come to harvest the seeds planted by Christ. The Holy Spirit has come to harvest the seeds planted by Christ. So if you think about a farmer who goes out and he tills the ground and he tills the ground and he sows these seeds and these seeds are going to spring up and bring forth fruit. And if you think about now, the Jews are celebrating a festival to the harvest. Think about what happened in the life of Jesus, that he lived on this earth, a sinless life. And in the last three and a half years, Jesus is in ministry. He's going around. He's healing the sick. He's restoring the sight of the blind. He's setting captives free. He's redeeming people. He's offering the salvation to the least of these, to the people who were broken and destitute, to the homeless, to the prostitute, to those who had no place in society. Jesus is offering salvation to them. The woman at the well who had been married five times, the woman caught in adultery. Jesus is going to these people and he's planting these seeds. And now the Holy Spirit has come to harvest the seeds planted by Christ. Think about that imagery. And then you'll understand the person, the purpose, and the power of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit has come to give us power to be witnesses for Christ because he's harvesting seeds. He's focused on harvesting the seeds that have been planted in the hearts of men that he's coming to take this harvest. And this is what he's coming to do. And he's coming to do it through you and through me. This is why the Holy Spirit has come to harvest the seeds planted by the ministry of Christ. And he's going to do it through these apostles who are in this room waiting and praying and down through the line all the way up to you and me. This is how the Holy Spirit is going to fulfill his purpose. Let's keep on reading in Acts chapter two. It says, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Notice it says like a mighty rushing wind, and that word like there, I don't know how much you remember from English class, but if you remember what a simile is, it's, it's an example almost that's given to explain something that you can't quite explain. So this sound like a mighty rushing wind doesn't mean that it was actually a wind that blew through the house, but this is the best way Luke could describe what was happening. He says this sound like a mighty rushing wind came, and it filled the entire house. And this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to fill the entire dwelling place of wherever you are. He wants to fill the entirety of you. He wants to fill the entirety of it all with his presence. It goes on to say, and divided tongues, and again, as of. So he's not saying that actual fire came and rested on their head, but he's describing something that he can't explain any other way. And he says, divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit from top to bottom. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So again, he's describing something that he can't fully explain. This is something that's not natural. He's using natural words like fire and wind to describe something that is purely supernatural. He says, and it came and it rested on each of them. And I think that's significant because there were more than just the 11 disciples there. There were 120 people in this room and the Holy Spirit said, I'm choosing each of you. I'm claiming each of you. I'm resting on each of you, not just the 11 that that were there that are known in scripture, but I'm resting on all of you. And you're all going to be go out here and you're going to speak in other tongues. I'm going to fill you. Every part, every nook, every cranny, every crevice, I'm going to fill you and you're going to go out and speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
Now, this word tongues here is actually a, a translation of the word languages. They're going to go out and we're going to, I'm going to read in scripture here and tell you just a little bit. Um, it's not going to be on the screen, but I'm gonna, you're going to see what happened here, that they went out and they actually spoke in other languages. So, but Jesus, I'm sorry, I went ahead too far. But so let's talk about this for a minute, that they went out and they spoke with these other tongues. Because it goes on to say in verse five, that now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. So they're going out to these devout men and they hear and it says, and that the sound of multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language. You know what's happening right here? Going back to Acts 1.8, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes and you'll be my witnesses. This is that power to be witnesses. These men and these disciples who were in this upper room, who these tongues as a fire rested on their head and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they went out and they began to speak in a language that was not native to them because they were witnessing to who Jesus is. They were telling the truth of the gospel. They went out with the power to be witnesses. It goes on to say Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Proselytes are those who were not born Jews, but they converted to Judaism. These proselytes that they were uh, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God. So like going back to what Jesus said, the Holy Spirit came and he filled them with power to be witnesses. Do you see how the power and the purpose of the Holy Spirit went together? The power, these people are speaking in languages that were not their own to fulfill the purpose to be witnesses for Christ. This is what's happening here as the Holy Spirit comes. And then Peter goes out and Peter preaches the first church message. He gives the first sermon, if you will. He goes out and he walks these people through the history. Jesus says that Peter stood up with the 11 and lifted up his voice and addressed them. Now, this is the same Peter who just 50 days before denied Jesus when he was arrested. The same Peter who, when even the little servant girl said, aren't you with him? Jesus said, I don't know that man. Now, Peter is the one standing up in this great crowd and this great multitude, and he's the one who's going to address, going from the denier to the one who's now professing and proclaiming Christ. It says, but Peter, standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed him. He said, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour today. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Peter's telling them, you hear these people speaking in other tongues. You think that this is craziness. You think this is psychotic. You think something strange is going on. You may even think that they're drunk, but they are not drunk. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. Because in the book of Joel, the Lord said, in the last days, declares God, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days will I pour out my spirit. And they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit is at work fulfilling his purpose to be witnesses about Christ, to be a witness about Christ. 
Peter goes on, and, I, and I'm not going to read everything that Peter said, but he basically walks these, this crowd through a history talking about the patriarch David and how the Messiah was going to come through his lineage because David prophesied that he saw the Lord and, and that the Lord was always before him. And he prophesied that the Lord said to him, sit at my right hand until I make your enemy your footstool, that, that God the Father had said to the Son, the Lord, that the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And Peter's pointing out like that couldn't have possibly been for David because David is dead and buried. He's gone. That that the Lord was talking to someone else in that moment. And guess who he was talking to? He was talking about this Jesus whom you crucified. This Jesus whom you crucified. And so here we find ourselves, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit coming and filling these people in this upper room with his power to go out and fulfill his purpose, that purpose to be witnesses about Christ. And check this out. He, he, if we continue reading on, it says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him Lord, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And talking about the crowd, it says this. It says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're going to receive this gift that's going to give you power. You no longer have to focus on when the Lord is going to come and restore the kingdom of Israel. But you're going to receive power so that you can go out and be witnesses for Jesus. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And understand this about the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not just about the power to be witnesses because what the Holy Spirit does when he convicts, of righteousness and judgment and all that stuff. What he does is he renews us. He makes us more like Christ. It goes on to say, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his words were baptized and they were added that day about 3000 souls. I want to point back to a verse here, 237. It says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And that phrase cut to the heart really jumped out at me because I think this is where we really see the power of the Holy Spirit at work. Have you ever had a conversation with someone that you knew was, was living wrongly? They were living in sin. And no matter what you say to them, no matter what you tell them, no matter what's happening, you can't seem to persuade them to change. My brother said something to me once. He said, anytime you communicate with a person, understand this head reaches head and heart reaches heart. But in the process of salvation, what we're trying to reach is spirit, right? We're trying to penetrate their heart and get to their spirit. And the reason you and I can't get through in our own timing is because of what Jesus said back in John, when he talked about the Holy Spirit, he said, and when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict. And see, oftentimes we want to be the ones to fulfill the purpose of the Holy Spirit. We want to be the ones to have the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill his purpose in our time. And so we try to convict people, but the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. And here's the main point that I want you to get today. The Holy Spirit equals power for the purpose 
of guiding people to life in Christ. Now, let me explain this a little bit because earlier I made the statement, I don't want you focusing on the what. I don't want you focusing on just the power, the what. I want you to focus on the purpose and the person, the who, who the Holy Spirit is because sometimes we can get so focused on the power and the signs and the miracles and all that stuff that we miss the person of the Holy Spirit that we can have a relationship in and begin to walk in that purpose. But the Holy Spirit is the power for the purpose of guiding people to life in Christ. And yes, I personalize this to Seven Cities Church because that's our mission statement that we want to guide people to life in Christ. So what I'm really saying to you is that the person of the Holy Spirit wants a relationship with you. He wants to fill every part of you to conform you to the image of Christ. And in doing that, he endues you with his power. He gives you his power so that you can go out for the purpose of guiding people to life in Christ. Remember what Jesus said in the Great Commission. He said, go make disciples. You and I can't do that in our own power. We can only do that in God's power. So we have to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. But if you don't know the person of the Holy Spirit, if you don't believe that you can relate to the Holy Spirit or worship the Holy Spirit or be in relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit, then you won't understand how the Holy Spirit dwells in you and how your life, you are a temple for him. And then you'll never fully understand his power. And he'll never fully fulfill his purpose in you and through you. Which means ultimately you'll never fulfill your purpose. So I want you to understand the person, the purpose, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we miss his person and his purpose, we begin to think that his power is only about us. And that's why Paul had to correct churches about fighting over gifts. That's why we see his power misused and misrepresented today to the point that it's easier for some of us to believe that the Holy Spirit doesn't exist and that he isn't working anymore. But I refuse to put God in a box that he hasn't put himself in. I refuse to do that. And we're definitely not done being witnesses. There are many more people that you and I have to witness to. And if the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to power us to be witnesses for Christ, then I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is still active in us and through us. I believe his power is still at work. The early church was not simply, it's warm up here, The early church was not simply a collection of redeemed people. The early church was not simply a place where a bunch of redeemed people got together like a country club. The early church was a conduit for the movement of the Spirit of God. Hear me clearly on this and hear that statement again. The early church was a conduit for the movement of the Spirit of God. The early church, the church, you and I, the capital C church and seven cities church is a part of that, are meant to be conduits for the movement of the Spirit of God. But I have a question for you. Is our church a movement or a monument? Monuments have programs, monuments have exhibits, but movements have power. Movements have momentum. Movements have a focus and a destination. Is our church a monument? Is our church a monument or a movement? See, a monument says, look at what God did, but a movement says, look at what God is doing and continuing to do. 
I don't want to be a church that's a monument that says, look at what God did and that has, has testimony for all these things that God did in the past. I want to be a church that's a movement, that we are active and that the Holy Spirit's power is active in us and we are fulfilling the purpose that his power gives us to guide people to life in Christ, that we can say, look at what God is doing, not just through us, but also in us, that God is, is changing us. He's conforming us. He's reforming us. He's transforming us as individuals. And as he's doing that, that we are going out and we are guiding people people to life in Christ here in the seven cities or beyond. But we have to answer the question, are we a monument or are we a movement? If you are a monument, if you are content with saying, look at this exhibit, look at what God did in the past. If you are content with that, then I need you to get out of my way because I want to be a movement. I want to be a church that goes out and says, I'm not content with what has been done. I want to go out and focus on what God is going to do because I believe that God has a plan and a purpose and a mission. And we are in the midst of a world that is broken and sorrowful and hurting and babies are being murdered in schools and people are dying in grocery stores and people are over pandemics and all types of stuff and people are dying all over the world. And if we are a monument, we can't help with any of that. But if we are a movement, we can go in the power of the Holy Spirit and fulfill his purpose to be witnesses for Christ and we can make an impact in the world around us. Do you want to be a monument or a movement? Because the early church and Seven Cities Church is a conduit for the movement of the Spirit of God. And if that's not for you, then get out of the way because God's not going to stop. He's going to move. And I want to be moving right along with him. I don't want to be standing in the way. I want to be moving with God. Back to that main point, the Holy Spirit is power for the purpose of guiding people to life in Christ. But if you don't relate to and trust his person, and if you don't fully understand his purpose, you will misuse and mistrust his power. We are called to be full of the Holy Spirit, full to the point of overflowing. People should easily see him at work in us and through us. That is, that is movement-making power. And the way that people see the Holy Spirit at work in us and through us is by his power on display, this movement power, not this monument that says, look at what God did. And don't hear me Don't hear me wrong on this. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be thankful for what God has done. By all means, we should be thankful for what God has done. The children of Israel, God had them set up altars or monuments to remember what he did, but he didn't tell them to stay there. He didn't tell them to stop moving there. He didn't say, put a monument here and stay here forever. He said, put this monument here, but keep moving forward. And church, that's what I'm challenging us with. Let's put that monument there. Look at what God has done but let's be a movement church. Let's keep moving forward. So are you a monument or a movement? And I want you to seriously ask yourself that question today as you're listening to this message and and we talk about the person and the purpose and the power of the Holy Spirit and and probably a topic that should be two or three or even more messages. And and maybe we'll do that. Maybe I'll, I'll post some stuff on socials and videos to dive a little bit deeper Uh, into this to help you understand a little bit more about who the Holy Spirit is and how he works in our lives. But I really want to challenge you today with this understanding that the Holy Spirit is a person. 
He is a person that you can relate to, that you can be in relationship with. He isn't some spooky being that, that's just off in the distance that haunts you, that's waiting to trip you up or mess you up. He is a person, a part of the Godhead, the third person of the Trinity, and he dwells inside of you for the purpose of giving you power to be transformed to the image of Christ and fulfill the purpose of being witnesses for Christ by being transformed and by sharing what he's done in your life. He's power for the purpose of guiding people to life in Christ. So where are you at today with the Holy Spirit? Is he some ghost that, that you don't relate to, that you don't know, that, that's spooky, that maybe you don't even believe in? Is he some mystical power like, like the force from Star Wars that, that you don't understand, but you believe it's there and it, it moves through all things? Like, what is the Holy Spirit to you? Because I believe that if we can truly understand who he is, that he's a person, that he has a purpose, and that purpose is to, is to, to give us power to be witnesses for Christ and to transform us, to clean us up, to, to conform us to the image of Christ, that he has a purpose in us and through us. If we can understand that, then we can understand why his power works the way it does and why you see it in some places and not in others because of what's needed in that scenario. We can begin to understand the what because we took time to understand the who. Do you know his person? Do you understand his purpose? And then can you walk and move in his power? Let me pray for you, church. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people. And I know that this is something that, that is not easy for us to grasp or to understand. But Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence. I thank you that you are a person, that you love us, you care for us, that you dwell inside of us, that you have a purpose in us and through us, and that your power is at work in us and through us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would continue to conform us to the image of Christ. I pray that you can, would continue to sanctify us, to, to set us apart, to make us holy, to remove those things that keep us from fulfilling the purpose that you have in us and through us. And I pray that your power would be active in our lives, that everyone we would encounter wouldn't just hear a story, but they would experience your power in us and through us. But it only comes if we know you and have a relationship with you and understand that you dwell in us and that you want to fill each and every part of us. So I pray over your people right now, Holy Spirit. I pray that they would remove all of themselves so that they can be filled with you. I pray that your presence and your power and your purpose would fill them and permeate each and every part of who they are. And that power would begin to overflow so that everyone who encounters them would know that they just had an encounter with the power and the presence and the purpose and the person of God. I believe that you will do that in us if we willingly submit to you. So church, would you willingly submit to the work of God in you through his Holy Spirit? Will you submit to that today? Lord Jesus, I love you. I praise you. Thank you that, that you went away so that the helper would come for us. Thank you for your work on the cross for dying in our place from raising from the grave victoriously. But I thank you for going back to the Father so that you could send the Holy Spirit, the power that gives us purpose, the power that makes us witnesses, effective witnesses for you. Help us to go out and to share your gospel with everyone we encounter, not through our own words, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, that lives will truly be changed, that people will repent, that hearts will be turned to you, and that the seeds that you planted will bring, bring forth fruit for your kingdom that your spirit will harvest. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Church, I love you.